0: This week, Esteban Ocon talks to us from the glamorous caravan park at Silverstone. And now, from Tom's funky hotel room and my kitchen table, this is F1 Nation. And the British Grand Prix is underway. Alexander Alpin has sent Magnussen off into the gravel and we will surely need a safety car. Oh, there's a huge crash there. And that's Daniel Fiat. He's gone off the road. And Pierre Gasly gets past Sebastian Vettel. And Gasly's got another one. There's a problem there for Battery Bottas. And through goes Max Verstappen up to second place. Verstappen coming into the pits. So please don't go past this lap, Anderson. The same thing's happened to Carlos signs. It's Lewis Hamilton, who's had the same failure. Are we with this? get on with it. Lewis Hamilton wins the race with a puncher. Verstappen came in for that pit stop and it cost him the win. <laughs> That's it. You've done it. You've done it. Have you ever seen the end of a Grand Prix like this?
1: We're delighted to have you with us as ever. It's the lull between two Silverstones, words that have never previously been relevant in the context of Formula One. I'm Tom Clarkson, and yes, I'm
0: holed up in a hotel near the track. I'm Alex Jakes, and you've got some very funky wallpaper in the background there, Tom. I won't
1: mention the name of where I'm staying, AJ, but it has not been modernised in the last 30 years. Can I just leave it at that? (laughs) (laughs) You could say very Silverstone, I think. What an incredible finish. How's your voice after those last three laps of the Grand Prix, AJ?
0: The voice is fine. I think the first 50 laps of the Grand Prix ensured that the voice was going to be okay. Some great performances, lots of intrigue and a huge ramification for the championship battle as well. But whilst it was basically four minutes of complete chaos at the end of the British Grand Prix, what I really enjoyed was how almost soothing the team radio between Pete Bollington and Lewis Hamilton was in the definition of a crisis.
1: Okay, left there also. okay, copy. Same again. Verstappen, 30 seconds behind. The Stafford, good. If go different, 12, uh, the 25 seconds. This is the last lap. That's 20
0: seconds to the 17 seconds, 16 seconds. So these whatever strap you want. So strap 5, 10 seconds to the stappen, 9 seconds to Verstappen. Is that the Stafford. That's it, mate, You've
1: done it. You've done it.
0: I was going mad in commentary. You're going wild in the press room. Everyone's screaming at their TV, and this is how they sounded. Enough with the noise. I'm just going to whisper it like it's snooker next week and do my best Bono and Lewis impression.
1: Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Do you know, It was extraordinary how calm Lewis was afterwards. And actually, it's an interesting sort of chronology after a race. So they, the drivers get out of the car. Lewis looking very carefully at that front left, wasn't he? He then gets interviewed by David Coulthard, very calm. He then goes to the podium. He then goes to the, the what we call the bull ring, where uh, the few TV channels that are actually at the race these days speak to the drivers. They then come to the media centre and face the media en masse. So it's about half hour after the end of the race. Lewis comes in and he's a lot less calm half an hour after the race than he was immediately afterwards. He was suddenly, I think the penny had dropped how close it was to the whole thing falling (laughs) apart and not getting that win. And I just think it probably, I don't think it had properly dawned how serious it was, how close it was to Max Verstappen immediately after the race. And it was only after he'd had time to reflect that he went, Wow, that was, uh, that was a close one.
0: And just to underline this, I'm not, I'm not having a go at the Porsches at all. It's a really entertaining championship. But Lewis Hamilton's last lap on three wheels, faster than the Porsches were going around Silverstone Circuit on four. It's one of the more bizarre Sorry, mate, finishes. No. Can you ever remember a finish like that to, to a Grand Prix, Tom? I can't ever remember it being basically nice and calm and gentle and then suddenly chaos.
1: Well, we've had some bizarre ones at Silverstone, haven't we? I remember Schumacher ending the race in the pit lane, uh, but never three wheels on my wagon. It was, it was extraordinary. We had, that,
0: we had that in the Formula 3 race. We had, we had a big crash at the final turn. So the Formula 3 race did their best Schumacher impression coming through the pits. Liam Lawson did his best Schumacher impression to come through the pits and win the race. So that was a nice yeah. callback to the races of Silverstone past. But there was a lot that went on at the end there. So I think it's worth... Ticking through. Pierre Gasly, a year after the sack, he is a man reborn, isn't he? In the form of his life and getting the most out of that AlphaTauri.
1: Brilliant performance by him. And in contrast to that, look what Alex Albon is having to go through. He's really struggling. I tell you what though, hats off to the team in that they are trying to help him by bringing Simon Rennie in as his race engineer. Mark Webber had a very quick catch up with him at the weekend saying, you know, he he knows his stuff, does does... Simon Rennie so they're trying to help Alex but I think Alex has proven as was the case with Pierre last year that yet again they're promoting too quickly and I think just because you have a junior program doesn't mean you have to only use people from the junior program you you Promote when the drivers are ready. And I don't think either of those guys were ready. I would love Gasly and Albon to be both in Alpha Tauri's great little racing car this year with a a more established name in the second Red Bull, putting pressure on Max Verstappen, helping Max Verstappen develop as a racing driver. Let's not forget, AJ, I'm on a bit of a rant here, but let's not forget (laughs) that, you know, Daniel Ricciardo helped develop Max Verstappen. Yeah, it's true. And Max has been left on his own for the last... Imagine if Fernando Alonso was coming back into a Red Bull, you know, or something like that. Promote from within when the guys are ready, but only then.
0: And we've heard from Daniel Ricciardo on this very podcast early in the year. His words were, Ocon and Norris are going to be incredibly important to my career. So exactly the point that you make there. And Verstappen's having to carry the burden... For a team that have swapped drivers an awful lot, I'm glad that they're looking on the engineering side. And it will be really interesting to see where Alex Alban is in, say, six weeks' time. Talking of Red Bull, Daniel Ricciardo, was that his most Ricciardo-like race since he's left Red Bull for you, Tom? I think he's been cracking
1: all year, AJ. But yes, that was just a, a brilliantly patient race. Uh, by him, in that you know he was pushing hard enough in the middle of the race to get past Roman Grosjean when he needed to, for example, but he then left himself with enough rubber at the end of the race so that he could really put the pressure on Norris, you know, and, and get the result. I actually bumped into him. I think he'd just gone and had a COVID test, actually, because the That's top how you want floor... to celebrate your
0: best performance of the year. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. But the top floor of the media center was where you were having your COVID tests.
0: Are you joining the Tactical queue process? What do you mean? Ha- have you seen this? People who were on site, I was back at F1HQ, but people who were on site, TC, were saying that based on people's reactions coming away from the test people were deciding on different cues. Now, were oh, you looking at people, whether people's eyes were streaming when they came away from the COVID test?
1: 100%. I I got it completely wrong in Austria. You also start to know your own nostrils quite well in that the right nostril causes you less, less pain than the left nostril, for example. So you start getting them to put the swabbing the right nostril. But anyway, Danny Rick was there and he was completely bouncing after the race. It was such a joy to see because there were moments last year where I felt, oh no, that guy's a shadow of his former self and yet now we're back to the bouncy sort of tigger like dan ricardo because i think he's excited about going to a mclaren mercedes so i don't think there's any doubt he's he's in a good
0: place mentally and he's he's reaping the benefits from that now you lot will know that tom brought up peaky blinders as one of his favorite box sets i'd like to suggest one of my own tc Last lap, Lando. I don't know if you've seen it. It's absolutely brilliant. You see it every week on the PLC, on F1 TV. Basically, it doesn't matter if he's in the points, doesn't matter if it's for a podium, doesn't matter if it's benefiting from his teammate having a failure. Lando Norris just gaining places on every last lap of the season so far. We are four races in and this is still happening. And I don't know whether it's the
1: sort of exuberance of youth, but just never giving up. And that's what we love about a racing driver, isn't it? And he's absolutely one of them. So Lando's fourth in the championship what is it three points ahead of Charles clerk in the ferrari but that battle at the front between hamilton and bottas it's now 30 points after four races i mean i don't want to pour cold water on it but it's hard to see bottas coming back from that isn't it
0: let me provide the warm water tom i've been thinking about this <laughs> bad day in the championship no doubt about that for valtteri bottas but i actually thought a really intriguing race if you drill down into the numbers A lot of the time when Mercedes have a massive pace advantage like they did all weekend long around Silverstone Circuit, you will see them gap the cars depending who gets off the line first. Bottas was pushing all the way through and Lewis said after the race, I was managing the tyres, Bottas was pushing. That's a hint. That's just a hint, I think, of the changing dynamic between those two where it's been very respectful very calm and a very good working relationship between teammates but they know that they're the only two that can take the title and Valtteri Bottas previous race telling Finnish TV that he was overfueled in qualifying talking about getting the ride height wrong there is a dynamic emerging there between those two so great day for Lewis pendulum swings his way in the championship firm title favorite but on the other side to that what has Valtteri got to lose now with a car that is capable of winning every single Grand Prix for the rest of the year?
1: AJ, really astute points there. And I think what's different with Valtteri is that I think he has a resilience that most of Lewis's teammates haven't had uh, in the past. I think, you know, Nico Rosberg was so exhausted by being his teammate that he had to retire. I think he knew he couldn't keep going at that level. And then you look at Heike Kovalainen in 2008. I mean, Jensen Button was more resilient. You could also argue that I think Jensen burnt himself out, went whilst battling Lewis Hamilton and was never quite the same driver in the latter couple of years. It'll be interesting to see what happens next because the gap is almost so big that Lewis can start managing it. You know, he doesn't need to win every race. And I think he can still win the championship quite easily. How Bottas deals with this inside the team will be fascinating. I thought the point you made there that he actually came out and stated publicly about some errors made by the team was very un Yeah.
0: And to develop that on further, Bottas very rarely retires from a Grand Prix colliding with another car. He's got to switch that mindset up. He's got to go for gaps that are disappearing now because he was alongside Lewis going into Abbey and then had to back out of it to put the pressure on his teammate. He's going to have to go for marginal moves if he's going to chip away at that 30-point gap. And that's a different mentality than we've seen throughout his entire F1 career. You say he had to back out of it at Abbey
1: at turn one. Why did he have to back out of it? I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't hang on in there a little bit longer.
0: But that final step, and you hear every champion talk about that final step, he's going to have to unlearn the thing that's made him such a reliable driver in the past.
1: There's an added point here that I am... Now pretty convinced that he's got that contract for next year. He was yes. asked in the press conference on Thursday uh, about Toto, and he, he said yes, we're talking about it, and he said Toto can be a pain in the ass while talking about money. <laughs> um but just
0: <laughs> He's his- a Formula One team boss, is he, Tom? Fancy <laughs> yeah, yeah. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but his but you sense it, his demeanour was such that you felt that maybe he said they hadn't signed it, but you felt they'd agreed it. And I think if he knows he's got that deal for next year, then he can go for the 50-50s without worrying about being sacked for the following season. Because that's the other problem he's got is that he's always just on a year by year by year. So if he wants to get the job for next year, he's got to sort of play the game. But hopefully he's now got that contract and he can start being a bit more aggressive.
0: So there's a fair bit to talk about from this Formula One season after that dramatic British Grand Prix. And... The best bit is we get to do it all over again.
1: Can't wait, AJ. Actually, one person who probably can wait, I bumped into at breakfast this morning, and that's Mario Isla.
0: (laughs) I think he was hoping...
1: He was hoping to have a couple of days off after the British Grand Prix, play a bit of golf. There's a golf course very nearby. But he was wearing his Pirelli gear and he was going straight back in to try and get on top of what was causing all of those tyre failures. And are we going to see changes to the compound choices coming up at Silverstone too? And all that kind of stuff.
0: So work to do for them. And I imagine Hulkenberg will be very, very uh, excited to actually get a Grand Prix around Silverstone after the week he's had.
1: Max Verstappen in particular saying... Yeah, he's got a really long neck. And that's what you don't want as a Formula One driver because of the G-forces. The only thing that's pleased he didn't have to do the British Grand Prix is his neck (laughs) or his neck muscles. Now, that leads us quite nicely into the man who replaced Hülkenberg at Renault. Esteban Ocon finished sixth in the Grand Prix on Sunday. Welcome to the show. How much did you enjoy your home Grand Prix yesterday? <laughs> again, here we go again.
2: Uh, well, Actually, well, there is
1: some, there is, there is a reason I say that Silverstone is two hundred miles closer to Evra, your home in Normandy than Paul Ricard. So it's not complete madness.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's in a way true. I think probably Spa is a bit closer, is it? But uh, yeah, I, I will take it, you know, half of the team is, is based here. Uh, very, very close, actually, like 40 minutes away. So I agree in a way, it's, uh, it's a bit of my home Grand Prix. It's close to Normandy, obviously, Britain. But uh, no, it's been good. It's been a very positive weekend. Good improvements, you know, from, from our side compared to Budapest. Uh, good team results in the end uh one more opportunity next week as well which is great
1: listen we'll come on to sort of things like car performance but can you just shed a little bit of light about what goes on now we're speaking on the monday after the british grand prix where are you how do you recover from a race what have you been up to are you partying (laughs)
2: No, no party. No party. Very quiet. At the moment, I'm still, uh, you know, at the track. You know, I have a caravan, which is uh, great. Reminds me of the good old days it's a bigger caravan
1: <laughs> when we say caravan right i think some people listening to this might have images of something being towed behind a, I don't know some uh, a, a, a morris minor or something but yeah, it's not exactly really right. a caravan
2: <laughs> back in back in my days we we called that a caravan it's the same principle it's still towed by something but it's probably bigger than, than my apartment so, uh, <laughs> so things have changed uh, in there. On my left, there is Louis, and just behind is Valery. So, um, yeah, we are staying, you know, at the track there, which is uh, great because uh, I like to have a little bit more sleep, you know, on the mornings and on the evenings. So it saves the travel. Um, and yeah, the plan is to to stay there until uh, until you know the, the next weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, I went to the factory already this morning. A little bit of training uh, in Enstone. So it's all about yeah, keeping the energy level up.
1: And do you hang out with Valtteri and Lewis, your your neighbors in the campsite? Have you do you see much of them over the weekend?
2: Well, we had we had a little wave, you know, from far away. You know, in uh, in Austria, we had uh, a couple of uh, FIFA tournaments with uh, with some of the drivers. Uh, with uh, Kevin Magnussen, Lance as well, came uh, to get beaten. <laughs> um, so it was it was good fun. But yeah, it's. It's a little bit more like the old days, I would say, because, you know, I had a chat with Alan. Alan told me, you know, before we used to drive by car, you know, to the races and stay at the track and all that. Um, this is something that hasn't been, you know, done uh, recently. But um, I think it's going to be more and more like that, looking at the COVID situation, obviously.
1: Well, talking about the COVID situation and, and what's happened to Checo and, of course, him missing the British Grand Prix, have the team placed you under sort of greater restrictions in terms of what you can do between these races there's no nipping back to France or
2: no 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 it hasn't been the case I'm I'm very aware of the rules and of course of the guidance from the FIA you know looking at my situation how it was last year uh, it would be a massive disappointment if I was losing you know the chance to compete Uh, obviously we are all uh fragile with that virus it's it can be you know happening uh, so we need extra to be extra careful but uh, that's how i've been since um, since the beginning of this situation and i was the first one uh, you know arriving in australia wearing the mask for safety for the others for me everyone thought you know it's it's a bit strange back in the days and i thought you know should i do that but i did uh, i did it back in the days and uh, and yeah i mean um it's very important to to take care of ourselves at the moment. Um and yeah, I don't really don't want to be missing a race at the moment.
1: Have you seen the film Silence of the Lambs? Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean, who I mean by yeah. Hannibal Lecter?
2: Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, I see you, what you do. Mean. A, I thought Esteban looked more like Bane. From yeah, Batman. I prefer that. You know, it's <laughs> okay, my yes, favorite okay. movie actually, <laughs> the Dark Knight
2: Rises. So you touch your ball
0: in there, Alex. Yeah, there we go. Let's throw it back to the race, Esteban. Um, you had a great performance on Sunday. Did that feel like the most competitive you've been since you've returned to Formula One?
2: I think on normal conditions, so on dry conditions and everything, I felt like yes. You know, I felt more comfortable with the car and how we've set it up uh, you know for quali. you know i felt i felt great in q1 q2 and and in the race as well so definitely yes i think it has been a great weekend for just understanding a lot of things and, and just get it there you know where where the car deserves to be i think there's still a bit more margin but uh, it was definitely um, a good step
0: how sick were you with the sight of lance Directly ahead of you, he's a good friend of yours. But you were staring at the back of that rear wing for a lot of the British yeah, Grand weren't you?
2: It was long. I agree. Yeah, I was getting a bit uh, frustrated, you know, uh, at some point. But funny enough, we had a, we had a chat, you know, on the grid with Lance. And I said, I said to him, "Look, uh, you know I'm coming for you. I just throw it like that." Of course, I was never expecting <laughs> for it to be to be that close. But yeah, it was great. We, we've shown that we have a, a great. You know, um, speed in the race, and yeah, to have put pressure like like uh, like this on them, it was a uh, it was a good thing. And I had a fight with my friend, which was nice.
1: I thought he moved a bit under braking. Myself, he did, yeah,
2: he did, but I didn't complain. You know, because uh, we know each other for a long time. You know, he can do that a little bit uh, to me, but uh, at some point I'm gonna go for it. So he knows that as well. So he needs to be careful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, you've had to wait a long time for this opportunity. How has it been returning to racing after 18 long months away?
2: Well, it's a great, great thing, you know, to, to be coming back. And definitely, um, yeah, very happy. Uh, you know, I was waiting for that moment for, for ages. Um, I, that's the moment I had in mind for the whole last year. Basically, everything I was doing um, was having that in mind, to come back. When am I going to come back? When is going to be the time where I will really have that seat? Um and that's what kept me, you know, motivated and, and uh, you know, on it, you know, because I was always there when there was a car firing up. And even if I had no sleep for, for two days, uh, you know, I was here um, listening to Debrief and stuff, um, of course, last year. So uh, it has paid off and I'm definitely happy that this is all behind now and, and I can focus on, on my job.
1: You've got a great reference in Mercedes, haven't you? Talk about Doing some good homework to bring to Renault, you've been yeah. learning from the best.
2: Exactly, yeah, learning from from a team who's been dominating uh, this new era of Formula One. It's priceless because there's so many people in that paddock who would love to see what's happening there on the inside. If it's drivers, if it's engineers, everyone would would love to have a little bit of an inside of that team. And and I, I had the chance to be to be working with them uh, the whole last year, seeing you know how how the team. Uh, reacts to different, you know, circumstances, different uh, uh, times, uh, but also from the drivers. You know, Lewis is also dominating his subject. So, to see how he was working is something that you know gave me inspiration and and um, definitely good knowledge for for me to change a little bit my my work uh, um, routine, uh, I would say. And and on the technical aspect, it was it was of course great because. You know, still being professional, I could bring stuff to the team here, uh, to Renault. Both teams agree uh, on that, that. I could bring some stuff, so that's what I did.
1: If you could name one thing that you took away from your experience of watching Lewis. What would it be? Is it his taste in music? No, <laughs> this fashion is more, sense.
2: This is more of a private <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> he definitely did show me some of his music, and some some was pretty good. Uh, some I like less, but some some was nice. Um, but yeah, no, we had we had a good chat with with him uh, at the point where I still didn't sign uh, anything, and he gave me great advice on what to do uh, in those circumstances, who to speak to, and and. You know how to behave, basically, with with bosses and stuff, and that was at a crucial time, uh, and it worked. So, also thanks to him for for that. Um, but yeah, on the on the race weekend, uh, I think what impressed me the most is people saying, you know, he's he's on it with his talent, basically. He just goes there, doesn't work, and uh, you know makes it on the track and gets pole and victories. That's not true at all. You know, uh, the the amount of details that he's putting the finger for the engineers on. Is, is pretty impressive. And, uh, um, you know, we all work differently as drivers, uh, but there are definitely a few stuff that I pick up from, from there, from him. And also, I don't know if you saw, but I'm, I'm having my phone in the car, uh, in practice, which, um, it's not to go on Instagram or, or Twitter, um, <laughs> but it's to take notes on everything I do, um, and on, on everything to keep a record of that. And that's what he's doing, um. And uh, yeah, that has been a big, a big change in my work routine as well.
1: So what, you, you come in from a run yeah, and you will make notes on your phone and then give exactly. that to your engineer to share the information.
2: Exactly. But when you come back, you know, a year later, after 20 races, you you forget most of it, you know, and uh, I have all that record on my phone.
1: In what areas does Renault still need to step up compared to, to Mercedes?
2: Uh, in execution, there are still a few things that, that we we can do better, but also Mercedes, you know, they, they can do some stuff better. You're always looking for perfection in Formula One, uh, and nobody's perfect. You know, that's what year after year and experience after experience, you you get closer to it, but you are never reaching it. And I think, um, for sure, Mercedes are closer to perfection than, than we are.
1: They're also pretty cool customers, aren't they? Alex and I were reflecting a little bit earlier on... Uh the radio conversation between Bono and Lewis yeah, after he'd had his tyre failure and yeah. how calm and collected it was. Um, we actually, we've actually, we actually just played it out on the show. Just counting down the gap between yeah. Lewis and Verstappen, it was all very calm.
0: It, yeah, it was basically far too calm. It was almost <laughs> worrying how calm they were. How do you think you'd have reacted in a similar situation, Esther? Well, you know, if you're
2: 25 seconds ahead um, and you have, like three corners to go um i mean you can still be calm and there's no point of just brushing everything and and make uh, make it even more of a mistake and i think bono knows really well and has a lot of experience on that you know not to give some stress to lewis for for nothing because imagine if you react stress in your voice and lewis is pushing a little bit more you know in the corner uh, and and the tire then just destroy the front wing. That could have more consequences. So it's very important to stay calm uh, at that point. But we have seen also some some stress moments. You know, I've been uh, into the Mercedes team in Hockenheim uh, in 2019. You know, we are humans. You know, we are all humans, and you know, everyone thinks Mercedes is is never making mistake. It's very robotic, very you know straightforward but it's a big debate inside sometimes and that really uh, shows you know that we are all human we can all do mistakes but yes they are very on it and you know the experience and the success uh, helps on that
1: I don't think I'd be a very good race engineer if it had happened to you Esteban (laughs) and I was in oh my god oh my god Esteban hurry up oh my god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well okay well let's not work together Tom <laughs> final thoughts were you stressed about the tyre situation uh, in the race yesterday
2: well it was in our mind we had the chat definitely about it uh, before the race because we've seen some strange cuts uh, some, some damage that we haven't seen before this season we know this track is quite hard on tyres um, but yeah I was taking it very careful on those curves on those edges of the track um, on the debris you know there's one lap where um, there was a slippery uh, flag and, and debris um, that I got told in the radio in that Maggot's Chap- Beckett Chapel, and I lost eight tenths, you know, in that lap just because I was I really wanted to make sure I'm not running on something, and um, it has paid off. So uh, I'm touching wood at the moment for it not to happen next week um, because we are all vulnerable on that. It can all happen, always happen, but. Yeah, we were careful from from the get go.
1: Well, Esteban, we wish you the best of luck in your second home Grand Prix next weekend. Uh, and thank- <laughs> you, you like that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. sticking to that. And thanks for, the next for your New time. Years. Are you going to do any karting or anything in the next couple of days?
2: No, no, I won't do any karting. I will probably play some tennis, which is completely different. <laughs>
0: Formula One's bane, there, Esteban Ocon, in great form, as he very often is. He's had to wait for his chance, but he had a smile on his face throughout that chat. He's in a really good place right now, isn't he, Tom?
1: I think he's loving being back. Uh, He's got a decent racing car underneath him, and he's starting to get some decent results, because it's been a bit of a rocky road, hasn't it? I thought, you know, Austria 1, difficult. Austria 2, great qualifying. And then he had that failure in the race but we're starting to see some consistency in the Esteban Ocon that we know about so yeah and I love chatting to him AJ he's he's just a fun interview isn't he but one of the gems I took out of that was stuff he'd learnt from Lewis Hamilton you know actually taking his phone into the cockpit at the end of a, a, a practice run and making notes a to give to his engineer and b to remember for next
0: year so he, he's got plans to hang around for a bit isn't he And I liked what he was hinting at with Lewis Hamilton as a mentor figure there. We've not heard too many drivers reflect on that. Lewis is the world champion, the elder statesman, the team leader for Mercedes. Interesting that he credited Hamilton for helping him stay in Formula One there.
1: You know, Lewis, is, he's so interesting, isn't it? Because so much of his life is on social media and out there for everybody t- to see. But then there's the serious side, which is very much under wraps, isn't it? What makes him such a good racing driver? The training he does, all the work he does in the background is, is under wraps. And suddenly you get a snippet like that from Esteban Ocon. And, uh, you know, it makes your respect, or my respect for Hamilton go up even more.
0: Uh, so just time to check in with Kimi Raikkonen. It's
1: hey, stop f***ing late now, f- Say
0: ah we left it too late never mind maybe we'll speak to kibby in the future and that's all we've got time for our thanks to esteban ocon for talking to us from silverstone's expensive caravan park any comments or questions hashtag f1 nation we would love it if you left us a review and subscribed enjoy the 70th anniversary grand prix and we'll be back with you next week when f1 nation returns